0: This podcast is supported by Red Energy. Powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, Red is 100% Australian-owned and local. Phone 131 806.
1: Congratulations. Victoria's housing market has rebounded strongly this year.
0: Hammers were falling once again.
2: Buyer numbers per auction are actually up on last year.
0: Rates course on hold again at 0.25%.
2: National house prices were still rising.
0: A man's home is his castle. And today it goes under the hammer. Welcome to Under the Hammer. For Red Energy, moving house, call local energy
1: retailer Red Energy.
0: And welcome to Under the Hammer with Ben Reid from Ian Reed Buyer and Vendor Advocates. All thanks to Red Energy. Moving is hard, but switching your electricity and gas is easy. Call Red Energy today on 131806. My name is Jane Neild. I'm a podcast producer and sometimes host and a little bit of a real estate tragic. And we're also joined by Claire Parks from Ian Reed Buyer and Vendor Advocates. Hello, Ben. Hi, Jane. And hello, Claire. Hi, Jane. It's a very interesting time to start a podcast in the real estate space. I sort of keep an eye on things that come up in my social media feeds. I like to think that I've got a little bit of a finger on the pulse, but nowhere near as much as you guys. So thrilled for the next eight weeks that we get to chat real estate at I don't know, would you say, Ben, one of the most unusual periods in history you've ever seen in your career?
2: certainly is. I mean, I've been in real estate for 15 years and I've never seen anything like it. And my dad, you know, 40 years and he's probably the same. So we're really in uncharted territory at the moment. But at the same time, there's opportunities now for, for buyers and sellers alike that there maybe wasn't six months ago.
0: So we're looking forward to actually being able to share some of those opportunities that might be popping up and I guess being realistic about the state of the market at the moment. So, Claire, you're a buyer's advocate for Ian Reid. Do you love it? Is
1: it a, I do. <laughs> s- a special kind of a job to have? It really is. Uh, working really closely with people who are looking to secure a property, which can obviously mean securing a future as well. It's a really important role to have and really pleased to be able to do that. So how would you sort of define that role? Like what types of things do you help people with? Yeah, so we're an independent service, and we work directly and solely with the purchaser who comes to us. Uh, we then work with that purchaser to put together a plan based on their current situation, future goals, uh, and we tailor an approach that is specifically uh, for for them. Uh, from there, we then go out to the market and we canvass the whole market, including both on and off market opportunities. Uh, and we run a critical eye over properties that could suit the brief. So when people come to you, Claire, when they're completely over the kind of
0: weekly, week in, week out of having to contact multiple agents and and they're just a
1: little bit tired of that process themselves? Or do people come to you first up? A bit of both. Yeah, people come to us when they have already been out on the ground themselves looking for real estate and they may be uh, lacking understanding in the process. They may be lacking confidence or not Enjoying the experience of dealing directly with agents themselves. And sometimes people come to us directly at the beginning of their search and we work with them from the very top of that. So, Ben, what's your role? You sort of it it
0: strikes me that this is the yin and the yang of the office here with Claire and yourself. So you're on the other side of the fence?
2: Correct, yeah. So Claire's Claire's our buyer advocate and, and I'm predominantly vendor advocate and the managing director of the business, um, but predominantly in the, the vendor advocate role. So yeah. The other side of the fence essentially um, and and our vendor advocacy business came about um, some twenty years ago uh, Ian Re- second generation in in real estate Ian Reids, my dad uh, and he'd been in, in real estate for twenty odd years and saw um, a gap in the marketplace whereby you know as a, as a seller the average seller does this only once every statistically eleven point six years at the moment, so if you 're not buying or selling real estate regularly it 's hard to know who to deal with, what to do. It's probably changed significantly since the last time you did it.
0: It's changed in two months, let alone
2: 11.6 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. So back in the 90s when the vendor advocacy business was starting to be conceived, uh, when uh, you were getting a mortgage, most people were going directly to the banks. They compare the CBA versus ANZ versus Westpac. Nowadays, more than 50% of people go to a mortgage broker. And essentially, that's what we do in the sale of real estate. All of our our vendor advocates are experienced real estate people and when you're looking at selling your home, instead of calling in the local real estate agent or trying to work out who to deal with and how to do it, you call us in and we give you independent advice starting with what you need to do to your property to get it right for market ready, Uh, then who the best agents within the area are to to consider, what the best methodology of, of sale is to achieve the highest and best price and we guide them through that whole process.
0: So, what type of people are coming to you? You know, in the last six months. I mean, we do have to reference the fact that COVID nineteen has changed everything, and we will talk about that more this episode. But in general, what what type of people? Investors or just your average first home buyer or second or third home buyer? Yeah, well,
2: also all vendors are relevant for our service if you if you're wanting the best advice when when selling your home. But typically, um, we deal with investors, those that maybe are. Um, arm's length removed a little bit and and they just want to make sure that they've got the right advice, the right price, the right agent for them and their needs. People going through um, some family issues, whether it be a deceased estate and executor of the estate and having someone independent to be able to handle that process. And same goes with divorces. Um, Having someone that they know is independent and helping both sides of the ownership and making sure their best interests are looked after. There's plenty of people in real estate that have sold before and had poor experiences. Uh, And the second time around, I think, well, well, we don't want to do that again. You know, so how can we do this differently? How can we make sure that our best interests are looked after?
0: Now, Claire, do you sometimes feel like you're a little bit almost like, I don't know, a counsellor or a therapist? People have had really difficult times. I know someone who actually used your service that is a colleague of mine. I think we asked him every day for 18 months whether or not him and his partner had had a successful purchase yet. Every time, nah, we got outbid, we just totally were off track and you must really become a confident.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we become really good friends with our clients a lot of the time as well because we are spending so much time with them um, and really getting to know them and their needs so we can best help them. So yeah, there is an element of being that confidant as well and they have to have that trust in us, which is then what brings us closer together too. Now, Buying a home is probably the biggest investment that someone is ever going to make in
0: their life. I mean, that's still very much a stressful situation. Yeah,
2: it is. So your owner-occupied property for the average Australian is the biggest investment you'll ever make. So, And when you're only doing it once every 11.6 years, and if you're not familiar with it, it causes stress. And even when things go well and it's a successful sale... And it's been pretty smooth. Most people still find it very stressful.
0: Mm, moving houses and buying houses, selling houses, very, very stressful stuff. You are listening to Under the Hammer with Ben Reid from Ian Reed Buyer and Vendor Advocates and his colleague, Claire Parks. My name's Jane Newt. We are doing it all thanks to Red Energy. Moving house, call local energy retailer Red Energy. Still to come, Ben and Claire have some tips for sellers at the moment, tips for buyers in the current market. And we're going to talk a lot about how COVID 19 has changed things. Now, Ben and Claire, I don't think anyone could have predicted just how much a worldwide pandemic would change life in Australia for us we're you know recording here in Melbourne as quickly as it did I mean there's people now saying oh we told you that these sort of things were on the horizon globally but really it has been a pretty rough ride for the real estate industry so tell me a bit Ben about the current state of real estate I and mean, we were seeing the stats the doom and gloom that people are dealing with situations in their household they may never have dealt with before mm. five kids homeschooling that kind of thing not being able to Uh, see extended family, relatives. It's been a tough time for a lot of people, but is it all complete doom and gloom when it comes to the market?
2: Well, it's not. I mean, if we rewind back to March, the market and the fundamentals were really in a healthy position. For most sellers that were on the market, they were getting anywhere between two and five buyers that would have purchased their property at their desired uh, vendor's reserve. So, it's first and foremost important to remember that this is a health crisis that has since, in turn, you know, having economic effects. But there were plenty of buyers in the marketplace, and there is an underlying demand from buyers that were prepared to purchase prior to COVID 19 hitting. So, what happened when it did? Well, we went through a big change. Um, a lot of vendors that that weren't desperate to sell, decided not to sell. There was probably a drop off immediately of about 30% of of would-be sellers decided to put their property um, plans on hold.
0: So was that people who actually had a property advertised and they pulled or just did not take it to market?
2: Both. Both. I would suspect that there was anywhere between 20 to 30 percent of vendors that shortly after the lockdown started to come into effect decided to take their property off the market and pause it. And then there were just as many that decided, well, we're not going to put it on the market right now because of the, the circumstances. While there was a drop off in buyers, there was an equal amount of drop off in vendors. So the supply and demand factor has remained reasonably balanced. At the moment, we've got a shortage of, of good property that's on the market and, and available. Statistically, we are at a 30-year low, not since 1990 wow. has there been this level of stock that's on the market. So for the good properties, they're still getting really good competition and, and um, by and large, the market's held up reasonably well.
0: Does the fact that we have our borders closed and, you know, I from what I understand, one of the big drivers on Melbourne prices especially is immigration and people moving to Melbourne and wanting to make it their home. That would have to have a bit of an effect, wouldn't it? The fact that the planes aren't coming, people aren't arriving and making their new home in Australia.
2: It will. Um, we're probably yet to realise those effects and they're probably on the horizon. There, uh, I read that there's an estimated drop-off of about 85% In immigration over the course of the next 12 months. So your overseas buyers are certainly not going to be as active in the marketplace as they have been over the last couple of years, which gives an opportunity uh, for Australian citizens that were maybe um, being competed against and outbid by internationals or investors to come back into the marketplace.
0: Yeah, that's where you start to see the upside of things, isn't it? Like I myself, I own one little property. It's a little weekender was my original house in Ballarat. Budget, budget, But for five or six years, my partner and I have not even thought about trying to buy in the eastern suburbs where we rent because we just see the developers and, and, you know, international investors beating us to it. So there is a bit of a bright side.
2: There'll be somewhat of a changing of the garden. I guess depending on what happens locally with our economy, and there's a, a few things to play out from there, no doubt we're going to have some bumps in the road, but one thing that we know for certain is that internationally, the, the governments are going to be throwing trillions of dollars to um, allow people to get through this. So there will be those supports in the way of job keeper and job JobSeeker. Um, we expect that later in the, the year, there'll probably be first home buyer grants and incentives to get people back spending again. So um, for every negative at the moment, there is certainly a positive on the other side.
0: Okay, so hard facts. Have prices fallen?
2: Yes, they have for Melbourne in April CoreLogic put out the numbers and the drop was less than half a percent was was what the firm evidence had suggested but they're based on settled property so we've got to remember that there's a lag there's a lag time of anywhere between 30 and 90 days what we're seeing in the marketplace and it it varies from suburb to suburb but we've we've seen a drop off of generally about 5% and up, upwards to about 10% but these you know, the scaremongering, the the um, predictions that things are going to drop off by 20 to 30%, we're certainly not seeing that in the marketplace at the moment.
0: Claire, are you having people come to you now for the first time
1: thinking, ooh, this could be my little window of opportunity? Definitely. Uh, as Ben was saying, it is. There's the upside is that it might mean that someone who wasn't perhaps in a position toward the end of the year Uh, they're now in that position where they've had a little bit more time to save. The prices are, are coming off to a degree in some places. They may now be able to afford, well, a better property or a larger property in a position that they perhaps didn't think was possible. So it has been given that bit of a bit more flexibility as well. Now, talk to me about vacancy rates.
0: So we're recording probably five minutes from an area in Melbourne called Docklands, which Mm -hmm. has, has had massive, massive development. You know, we're not far from major universities that attract international students. There is a lot of housing in Melbourne, which is directly related to housing international students when they come here to study. Are the vacancy rates starting to climb? Are we seeing some of these apartments, especially in perhaps even newer builds, starting to become empty?
2: Yeah, so vacancy rates refers to rental properties and and being vacant. And as you alluded to, the areas like the docklands in the city, they are the areas that have been affected the most Mm -hmm. for a number of reasons. The smaller dwellings and during this COVID-19 lockdown, if... You're in a small studio apartment, God that couldn't have been a worse place to be locked down at the moment. So we have seen the smaller apartments, people looking to consoli- consolidate accommodation, spouses moving in with each other. We've seen kids move back home. I read a statistic the other day that tenants under twenty five, one in four, have moved back home. Wow, estimated. that's yeah.
0: incredible.
2: Yeah. So that's a it's a steep increase for a number of reasons. But you go out to the more leafy suburbs and we really haven't seen a huge increase in the vacancy rates across rentals.
0: Do you think that that will be a flow on, that maybe we're not seeing the effects of things right now that people are staying put and thinking, look, even though I could probably get something maybe with an extra bedroom for the same price, because of the uncertainty in the market, Claire, they're maybe not confident enough to make a move?
1: Yeah, there is an element of that, I believe. And I think, as we've sort of said, that will continue to kind of come into effect in the in the coming months as well so it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that now in terms of the nitty gritty of how covid affected your day-to-day jobs just sort of tell
0: us what you remember in those first week that that first week or two how quickly did things change was it like stop the inspections stop the auctions how how quickly did it all sort of progress
2: well at one point in time it was a it was a rolling day by day change of, of scenery where First of all, the, the open for inspections stopped and public auctions stopped. So what it meant for our business was that our clients couldn't physically get out there and, and have a look at properties unless it was through a, a private inspection, which we were coordinating. So it meant that our buyers advocates were um, upping the volume of inspections that they were going to because they were needing to go to properties individually. You couldn't mm. clump them all on a Thursday or a Saturday. So you must have been really busy, Claire. Yeah. We were,
1: yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: But um, and the, the the need for our clients to have further assistance in that space um, became really important as well. For sellers, it meant that um, the way in which we approached their campaigns was completely different too. Um, and and agents were, were holding um, or, or conducting their business differently. And you really saw the strong suits of particular agents, um, you know, come to the front where maybe some agents who were uh, good at listing and then they're good on show day at auctions aren't as strong when they're having to get buyers through privately and, and, and negotiate one-to-one. So it, it
0: was a, um, a changing landscape. And there were even some companies who started doing like online auctions. I mean, that's a massive pivot, very popular word in these times, but mm. that, that's a huge way to pivot your business to go from being in front of a property and being able to sell it because you're standing in this beautiful street at a particularly nice mm. you know, time on a Saturday morning to suddenly having potential buyers bidding over the internet.
2: Well, a, a really great example of that was a property that sold last week. Uh, it was the top apartment for the week, um, sold with an agent who we do a lot of work with. And uh, they they had five registered bidders. On the day. Four of them were on site and one of them was bidding online through a digital platform. Funnily enough, the vendor actually wasn't on site either. The vendor was in Ballarat Mm. and the buyer who bought it was the one that was buying it online digitally. They were in Malvern and the property was in Ashwood. And (laughs) and so prime example of how real estate has pivoted and changed in 2020. But I was talking with the agent and he said, it actually was a distracting Thing for the buyers that were there bidding on the day because, the bing, they'd get a, another bid that would come online and, and there was almost a dis- disbelief. Is, the, you know, is this bid genuine or am I bidding against myself? And, of course, the online person won it. Contracts were exchanged digitally, tra- money was transferred and this is the type of thing that just wouldn't have happened two months ago.
0: Well, you can't actually shake someone's hand in person anyway, so who cares if you're a few suburbs yeah. away? <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's something that might actually um, stick around? Do you think it will become part of the
1: real estate landscape, Claire, that we might do things
0: a little differently?
1: I do think it's something that uh, is here to stay in, in to some degree at least. Uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly looking different now and although... We've got auctions and opens back on almost back to normal. Uh, but I think some practices will remain, such as perhaps the handshakes and distancing from other people and things like that.
0: Because it can be a huge job just getting to auctions to even bid. I mean, you know, with a friend who was going to auctions, it's like, well, we've got to try and get across peak hour Saturday traffic. Mm. Uh, to one part of Melbourne, to the other, if it's not all in the same little suburb, you really, it's like a full-time job. <laughs>
2: yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that is a scenario whereby we might have seen previously where we've had two auctions for the, the one client that might have fallen within 15 or 20 minutes of each mm. other, and we'd either need to have another advocate attend that, that uh, auction. These days, we can probably just register online and, and uh, be multitasking. Mm.
0: Now, how are we all sort of feeling about the role of the banks? Because of course, we can all have our real estate dreams, our real estate fantasies, but unless you've got the savings and the finance, it's a it's out of reach for a lot of people. So, what's the general feeling on the banks? Are they freezing mortgages? Are they being responsive to their customers who are saying, "Hang on, we've got trouble at the moment."
2: So they they're playing a really important role right now, and We are seeing a lot of mortgage stress that's come about because of the rise in unemployment and unemployment numbers are starting to creep towards eight or nine percent. But the banks are putting freezes or deferring their mortgage repayments, um, which has kept the foreclosures either very low or, or non-existent. Now, that may come down the track, but... We are in a, a in a mortgage environment now that's as cheap as it's ever been. So, if you have got the savings, uh, if you've if you've kept your job, um, the the banks are still lending, um, and will be playing a pivotal role in getting the economy going again.
0: Because we sort of forget that the banks need us as well, don't they? I mean, if they suddenly just didn't lend
1: to anyone. No one wanted a mortgage.
0: They need us
1: almost as much as we need them, Claire. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why we've seen the shift in interest rates as well um, is reflected in that. So they're trying to make it, you know, things to keep moving along. Now, you
0: guys are way too young to remember, but when I was sort of, you know, just out of high school in the 90s, we had massive youth unemployment and interest rates were like 18%. You know, my sister bought a house and I was like, you're insane. The interest rates are crazy. So if we want to look at the upside, tell me about interest rates. Like, it's probably the lowest you've
2: ever seen it, isn't it, Ben? It's well, the lowest anyone's ever seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is that the interest rates of 17 or 18%, we're... We may never see that in our lifetime because global debt is at a level now where it would just be unsustainable for interest rates to to get to that level again. So low interest rate environment is here to stay, um, at least for the next five years and beyond. And, and most economists and um, people in that space are predicting that this is this is the new norm. Now they will certainly rise from their basement price that they are right now. Um, when that happens. It's anyone's guess at this point in time, um, but for anyone who's an investor or a home buyer, they'd be best to use this time to try and get ahead on their mortgages, try and pay down as much as they can to put themselves in a position um, and have that, that nest egg or that um, uh, amount at the top that they can tap into if they need to.
0: And look, thank goodness for people who may have, you know, at least one or two people in a household have lost their job or have had their hours drastically reduced. At least if you may maybe only able to keep up with interest only payments, thank goodness they're as low as they are.
2: Mm, that's right. <laughs> I mean, if you can if you can do it now when, when the economy is really struggling, then you're only going to benefit once it picks back up.
0: You're listening to Under the Hammer and now it's time for some weekly tips from Ben and Claire. Thanks to Red Energy, moving is hard but switching your electricity and gas is easy. Call Red Energy on 131 806. What are some of your basic tips, guys, for people who are looking
1: to get into the market at the moment? First and foremost... Have your finance organised. So what we mean by that is going either direct to your bank or as we said a lot of people are choosing to go via a mortgage broker which is an independent service as well most of the time uh, and make sure that you have a pre-approval up to an amount. It's then at your discretion as to where you're comfortable within that but you must have that in order prior to properly looking to scope out the market and and work out where you will fit into the market. So do you find if people don't do that and they haven't really got the
0: finances sorted, Claire, that they might jump in quickly and then start having dreams and fantasies that aren't necessarily based in the reality of what the banks are going to play
1: with? Yes, that is uh, definitely something that can happen. And We just advise that it is always better to know where you stand so that you can get a clear picture as to what is possible and achievable for you. And it will ultimately should cut your time on market down as well, because you're starting uh, in the right space and know where you stand within that particular market.
2: Just to add to that, there are a lot of buyers in the marketplace that haven't got themselves into that position where they know exactly that they can spend a certain amount of money. So they're making offers subject to finance. And as a vendor in this marketplace, they don't want to be looking at offers that are subject to finance where they're needing to accept the offer and then they're open to two weeks of a conditional period where it might all fall over. We see many vendors that are prepared to accept a lower price for their home because it's unconditional.
0: Because they want to sell it today yeah. and not yeah. be up in the air for yeah. another so two I mean, weeks.
2: If a vendor's got an offer of 605000 as opposed to uh, which is unconditional, as opposed to a conditional offer of six fifteen that might be two weeks, a lot of vendors in this environment are accepting the unconditional offers. So you'll be saving
0: yourself some money by having that certainty. So get your finances in order. Tip one, I think that's a fantastic tip. Claire, do people come to you knowing where they want to live? And having a suburb in mind, perhaps it's near where they grew up or near friends and family, and does that change as they start to face the realities of what they can afford in that particular area? Is it worth doing your research on on suburbs and
1: the pros and cons of particular areas? Yes, research is key and it's something that's really important for us, so we always encourage buyers to do as much research as they can, whether it's before or during, you know, their time using an advocate or whether they're doing it on their own. So what we mean by research is uh, if you're not familiar with an area, get in the car, walk, drive, sorry, through the streets, get out of the car, look around, notice where the parks are, where the train stations are, all your transport options, what the homes look like in the area, what the neighbours in certain areas are like, but most importantly as well is to check out sold prices for properties that are similar to those that are of interest to you. So that's something you can help people out with and say, look, here's a presentation, here's what's
0: sold in this area in the last six months or so. You might need to be more realistic
1: or, yes, this is actually in your price range. Go for it. Look at this suburb. Yeah, that's part of the guidance that we provide. And, you know, at the moment we know that uh, it is part of the legislation that... uh, Comparable sales uh, need to be given by the agent. It's about actually looking into those sales and seeing how comparable they are as well. You know, you want to be looking at something that's in a similar position, similar sized block of land, similar size internally, if that's, you know, bedrooms, bathrooms, parking. Those details are really important to look into at a, a deeper level. Now, it might just be me, but when I bought my house, I literally bought it
0: on a whim because I had cancelled an overseas trip and had more money in my bank than I expected. <laughs> I drove up to this position in Ballarat, up on the hill, and the sunset. And I was sold and I put in an offer that very moment because it was beautiful it was like I don't care how shoddy the house is inside I got the feeling of this street is it just me that does that and would you recommend that people go in the morning in the evening at night to sort of see what the suburbs like is it busier than you thought when you visited at 11 o'clock in the day and no one' was there
1: yes so we do recommend that as well and I mean it's really interesting that you say that about falling in love with the sunset and that particular position I mean that's really important because if you're falling Falling in love with it, it's likely that your tenant will, if it's an investment, or the future person who's going to fall in love with it and and pay premium uh, when they go to, when you go to sell. So, mm-hmm. it's important to look at well, you're human, and that's what you like. It will translate to the next person. So, and that's something that you can't change as well. If it's got a beautiful view or a sunset, you can improve a property, but you can't improve its location. Now, sticking to a budget is that something that people fail
0: to do often, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don't we all? Oh uh, Yeah. <laughs> I think so. But it's it's important that when you are looking at purchasing real estate, first of all, have a really solid understanding as to what the property's worth. Then have a budget and stick to it. And we, and we always say, have a price and, and then maybe add just a little bit. Never have a round number. Um, add that $1,000 or $1,500, but then stick to it because- there will be other properties that will come up. Um, often we're dealing with with buy, oh, this is, the, this is the one, we have to buy it. But then they come on board, we show them some other options and they didn't realise that they could have got something that's even better if they used their head instead of their heart.
0: And do people say to you, Claire,
1: I know I'm going to get caught up in the moment. Please help me stick to my budget. <laughs> Yes, we hear that a lot. And a lot of people do employ us simply just for the bidding process. Yeah, okay. And what we encourage them to do is we will chat with them on the Friday night prior to the auction on Saturday, and we'll set that figure then. Uh, And we know we set it at a price that if someone is to pay another $1,000, we're prepared to let it go and walk away. And as Ben said, look for another opportunity that you never know, it might even... Look better on the other side.
0: Be prepared to walk away. I think that is very sound advice. Now, then, we want some tips for sellers at the moment. Is the all-important styling, what you see on these amazing, you know, real estate TV shows, is that still really important or are people going in thinking, it's a strange point in history, we're just going to buy for the basic bones of it?
2: Yeah, it's as important as ever. In fact, probably more so because buyers become really choosy and picky in this environment and they're becoming critical of um, little things where they they feel like they need to spend money. You want buyers to be able to walk in and feel like it's just absolutely nothing to do and this is their dream home. If if you're selling your car, you're going to thoroughly clean it inside and out. So just start with the presentation, declutter. Space is important in in this um, environment at the moment because we want something bigger, we want something better. Um, We always recommend for our clients to speak to a a stylist and as part of our service, it's a free consultation with a stylist, making sure that the property is presented as well as it can be.
0: Do people often think they can do it themselves because they've watched Shane and Blaze on Selling Houses Australia and I just need a few cushions and a couple of bits of furniture?
2: They do. But I mean, the irony is that most people can do it themselves. And it's the, it's the, the basic things done well that, that do give you your biggest bang for buck. So making sure that you're decluttering as much as possible, stripping it right back, and then you can start to reintroduce some pops of colour and those types of things. But if you just get rid of most of your stuff and present it um, well, then that's probably 90% of the job done.
0: Having an empty house, is it harder to sell when it's completely empty if you just think, oh, stuff it, I'll just put everything in storage?
2: (laughs) Yeah, we certainly wouldn't recommend it being completely vacant because once it's completely vacant, all of the little imperfections start to really Ah, stand out and and they notice the crack or they notice the watermark or the fact that the the floorboards aren't that great. So um, furniture does hide some of the imperfections and it also just gives a, a greater sense of um, comfort when you've when you've got furniture in there. It's a bit cold and stark and uh, vacant properties would typically sell anywhere up to 5% less than those that are fully furnished and presented well.
0: Because I wonder about the reverse psychology. If you do that and then people think, oh, we're getting a bargain because they haven't put any effort into this. <laughs>
2: yeah. So if your property is vacant, for a, a three bedroom home, you can have it fully styled by a stylist, staged for about just under $4,000. So for that money, I would expect you would get a return on your investment of at least three to four times over.
0: Okay. So it's all about the ROI, (laughs) return on investment. Pricing, do you need to be very confident that you know what you might achieve when you're selling?
2: Price is always important. Even more so at the moment, Uh, the market is very price sensitive. So again, do your research, speak to multiple experts within the space, talk to the best agents, have a look at all the comparable sales and we'd always recommend as part of our process, we actually recommend an independent market valuation, not done by an agent, but done by a valuer again they're, they're 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 independent right they don't mind whether the property's worth or have a vested interest in the property being worth more or less than what it is they're they're employed to give you an accurate view and then we compare that opinion with the agent's opinions as well so we're starting with a basis of fact and from there at the moment making sure that we're having a conservative approach because we know the market's up and down at the moment it's a bit uncertain So I'd be going into it with an expectation that it might fall 5% below where the the agents are suggesting. And if you're comfortable within that range, then you should be fine.
0: So Ben, timing is everything. How do we make sure that we're timing our sale right? So we've we've come
2: off a period of time um, that's very unusual. We've never gone through it. Autumn's normally one of the higher volume periods of, of sales, and we're coming off one of the lowest ever. We're coming into winter, which is typically a a low stock turnover period of time where I'm expecting stock to pick up, but we are expecting later in the year in spring and once we get through all this for stock levels to be much, much higher than what we've got right now. So for anyone thinking of selling, if you're in an area where... There's a lot, of, a lot of similar homes, and maybe yours doesn't stand out from the crowd necessarily. You want to be doing it where there's less properties available for purchases. Yeah, less buy. competition. Less competition. <laughs> so, any of the the, the middle um, to outer ring suburbs, um, like growth corridors, and those types of areas, Cranbourne, Werribee, um, Point Cook, um, newer development type areas, I would be suggesting sell your home sooner rather than later. Would be my advice um, for the the blue chip. In a suburb type locations, uh, supply and demand factors are important, but um, also the environment and confidence is a big thing too. So maybe later in the year could be a better option.
0: And Ben, from talking to you for 30 minutes now, it seems like you're a stats man and you love your research. So just fill me in on a few of the stats from the weekend. And as we record this, we're talking about the weekend of the 23rd and the 24th of May. So, we're into
2: the second week of open for inspections and on-site auctions coming back and open numbers did pick up markedly from the week prior. Um, Most open for inspections or the average from a couple of weeks ago was probably only four or five. We saw those numbers start to edge closer to double figures across most open for inspections. The auction numbers are starting to pick up as well. We only had 109 auctions over the weekend, but the clearance rate was a phenomenal 82%. Now, it's only a small sample size, um, but a good indication that a little bit more confidence is coming back into the marketplace. Only 218 private sales, so volumes right down. When we compare it to the same time last year, there were 864 oh, auctions. So
0: Wow, so that is a
2: huge drop. Yeah, massive drop off. Low stock though, 82% in terms of clearance rate, so you know, it's, it's not all bad.
0: Ben and Claire, thank you so much for being with us on Under the Hammer. And I can't wait to hear some of your insights in the next few episodes. If people want to get hold of you, if they're thinking, yes, I need him to help me sell my house, or Claire, they need you to help them find one, how can we get in touch with you?
2: You're looking at selling? Feel free to contact me direct, ben at ianreed.com.au.
1: And Claire? Uh, you can reach me on buyers at ianreid.com.au. If you just search Ian Reed.
0: Google it, you will find the You'll website. Find There's plenty of info there. Guys, we'll talk to you again in a week's time. Who knows what the stats will be like. We might see a huge jump or things might just gradually keep progressing. You've been listening to Under the Hammer with Ben Reed from Ian Reed Buyer and Vendor Advocates. Moving house? Call local energy retailer Red Energy, and we do thank Red Energy for supporting the show. Thank you also to Claire Parks who is a buyer advocate with Ian Reed. I'm Jane Neill and we'll talk to you again next week
2: thanks for listening to under the hammer for red energy moving house call local energy retailer red energy
0: this podcast is supported by red energy powered by the mighty snowy hydro a leader in renewable energy red is a hundred percent australian owned and local phone 131 806